Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today we have joining us Ashley Welch of Somersault Innovation and co-author of Naked Sales. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, I love Naked Sales. Uh, I think it's an incredible book. Um, it's We're using it in our company. It, I think it's amazing. Um, tell our listeners about the $3 million bus ride. All right. Cracks me up still, the title of the book and hearing you say it. Um, so the $3 million bus ride was the Greyhound bus. You read about it. It's the first chapter of the book. And we were working with Salesforce at the time. And Sachin Rai was an account exam- executive, he still is, at Salesforce. And he had been prospecting Greyhound, trying to get in there, trying to build a relationship and had not uh been able to get in so he started working with us and our program sell by design and we said sachin stop selling just go have an experience of greyhound so he went down to the san francisco depot where the buses were and he sort of used his best discovery skills and he watched people going in and on uh, on and off the bus he talked to baggage handlers he then went all in he was like the extreme use case here he went all in and he took a bus from san francisco to la and back again and of course had more experience uh in that ride and uh one of the things he learned about was the m7 report which is a report sort of a very inefficient report that the uh, drivers have to use to capture what's working or not working on the bus and then sort of a form that they send in and things supposedly get fixed fixed from that and he realized in talking to them that it was actually quite frustrating for the drivers because they didn't trust that this actually worked that well anyway he came back from his experience he started to email executives again at greyhound and instead of saying anything about salesforce he just said i'd love to talk to you about my experience on Greyhound. He said he got a 100% open rate on all these emails because, of course, he was talking about their brand, uh, not his. Right. And uh, finally got another, a meeting with an executive. And in that conversation with the executive said, hey, uh, I understand that the M7 report could stand a little innovation. And the executive was blown away that he even knew what an M7 report was. And furthermore, that Sachin could talk about the frustration that the drivers felt around the report itself. So he was able to talk the language of the executive. The executive sort of moved in and completely engaged. Long story short, this went from a zero to a $3 million global account over the next year, starting from this level of discovery that Sachin did with Greyhound. And discovery is the, the first phase of sell by design. Can you tell us about, let's talk about discovery. Yeah, we spend, I would say two thirds of our work in the sell by design program is really honing in on discovery because I think, you know, your deal gets made won or lost in your ability to do great discovery. And I think we hear a lot from the marketplace right now that people don't spend long enough in discovery. They don't either they don't know how to do it well or there's the pressure sort of move on and close the deal so they don't stay in discovery. So there's a lot, you know, it's the underpinning 
that we would say in discovery is curiosity, you know, like just staying open and curious about your customer and not getting narrow minded on just trying to find the problem that your solution solves. And, and the other thing we talk about in discovery is this idea of you are becoming a problem finder, not just a problem solver. Like you're looking for more problems that may even be outside the range of what you can solve for. Because if you can understand the whole landscape of your customer and their customers, then you put yourself in the position of trusted advisor and you can be much more consultative in talking to them. Right. And you mentioned in the book, it's really about it's not becoming a uh, a seller it's becoming a partner exactly yeah getting side by side we always i love this uh woman amanda who works at sales Loft, talks about this idea of getting side by side on the same side of the table with your customer and i love that that's exactly what we're teaching right right it's it's incredible um one of the things you talked about in the book in in discovery was the uncomfortable silence can you talk about that a little bit yeah, I think, um, and this is actually playing in the digital space as well. So I'll talk about both of them. I think this idea that we, you know, even in our lives, not just in sales, right? Like we we move to fill the silence, right? It um, makes us uncomfortable a little bit. And yet, if you wait, a lot of times, let the other person fill that silence and give you more information, number one. And number two, when we move in and sort of um, to stop the silence and move us on, we miss what might have come out of our customer's mouth when they would tell us more. And the same actually is showing up in use the use of digital whiteboards. So, you know, and we're all virtual now. And so we've been working a lot with sellers on how to use digital whiteboards to co-create and collaborate with their customers. And I love what um, a gentleman at SAP said. He said, the value of the whiteboard is just the white space itself, because when there's that white space, the customer feels like they should fill it in and offer more information. So you gather information by creating that space. Yeah, I love that. And the you mentioned co-creation there. Mm -hmm. um, could you break that down a little bit about what that means? What is co-creation all about? Yeah, so co-creation is just what it sounds like. Let's create this together. And as our world becomes more and more complex, like daily, right? And especially when you're selling complex tech solutions or other solutions that may be complex, um, I think the notion that we believe a lot is that you don't have the answer by yourself. And um, you, my customer, don't have the answer either. And it's really um, the inspiration for how to solve it is going to come from us working together and sort of co-creating the solution together um, in service of whatever we're trying to solve. And when we do that, um, it's a much stickier solution because I've caused you, my customer, to have your fingerprints all over what we have co-created together. And so we're going to have more likely set up for a much more, a much longer relationship. And, and you're building that, yes, I think by going through that process, yeah. because when you get to that, that point where you're asking for that sale, how are they going to say no to something that they helped design? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, what gets in our way of co-creation is maybe many things, but one thing that it, we get in the way of is like, well, I have the solution. I'm, I'm running my play. You're an insurance firm. I have my play for my insurance vertical and I'm just going to run it. Right. And right you may not know enough or care enough or whatever it might be that you get that involved and you say yes because it sort of solves what you're looking for uh we didn't co-create that at all and you become you know you, you become more competitor proof the more that right. you co-create and collaborate with your customers right right 
I love that. And you actually mentioned that when you were telling the story in the book about the $3 million sale about Sachin, you know, sitting on the bus thinking about, oh, what's that end solution going to look like? Yeah. Hey, could you elaborate on that part? Yeah. Well, he, I mean, Sachin's a very smart guy yeah. and very successful. And so this surprises me. And this just tells me that like a lot of us do this unconsciously, that we've already come up with the solution, yeah. right, for our client without even talking to them. I don't understand this idea of running a play when you haven't even talked to your client. So it's the same idea with Sachin. He had already come up with and even got his solution engineers to work on an app for the drivers, right? right? That he, I don't know what the app was going to do, but it, of course it was going to be something fabulous for the drivers. Yeah. Um, and when he got in there, he found out that the drivers couldn't use an app because of course they couldn't use their phone while they were driving. So um, it's just a great example of how we get ahead of ourselves and formulate. Uh, and then by doing that, we literally miss disconfirming evidence because right. all we're looking for is to sell this thing that I've already now right. created right. either physically or in my mind for you. Right. So it's really, it's all about stripping off like the blinders or mm -hmm. that driving focus that we have to close the deal and opening ourselves up as you're saying, and getting on the same side with our customer. Yes. So that we're truly aligned with them. And just being genuinely curious about right. them and their business as if you didn't know anything or right. didn't have a horse in right. the race. Right. And one of the keys to that you mentioned in the book is really understanding the client's customers. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, we talk a lot about this idea of understanding your customer's customer. And it does tend to be one of the tools or sort of mental models that adds the most value to sellers. And the idea is if I can talk to you about what your customers care about, then I'm starting to add value, number one, to what you care about, right? You're much more interested in what your customers care about and think about you than you are about what I'm selling, right? right? Um, I can also, and, and it's very, you know, it's just like Sachin, like he was able to talk about the Greyhound customers and his experience as a customer. The executives wanted to hear that. Right. There's another great story I'll just tell about a woman who was uh, working with Hallmark and she had done this discovery. And she, um, when she got into the room with present to executives, she just started out by with pictures and talking about them. And she's like, let me tell you about my experience in your store and with your app and talked all about them. And then she went to sit down and they said, don't sit down, tell us more. Like why, <laughs> like, what else did you learn about right. us, right. right? And so um, we talk a lot about this idea of when you're first going after a customer or you're trying to expand your footprint in a system, to just draw out like, okay, who's your customer? And then who are their different customer sets? Yep. Um, and then who do those different customer sets interact with within your customer system? Yep. And then you can start to see the landscape. It's like doing a, it's like being an artist. You start to see yep. all those little pieces. And then you can say, well, where would it be interesting to find out some information? Yeah. Like if I could learn more about this customer set and what they care about, would that be interesting to my customer? Right. Um, and all, you start to see things uh, and very differently when you start to think about it in that way or think about the interaction. Let's say you sell something online and I can talk to the customer service rep in the call center who manages that relationship with people buying things online or returning things they've bought online, let's say. And right. I can figure out a little bit more about how is that interaction working or not working right. and then sharing that information further up in my customer organization. Because so often at the top of a customer, 
organization, you know, any of us getting higher up in leadership, we become more and more disconnected from what's right. going on actually right. uh, with our right. customers. And you talk about the power of storytelling in this process. Yep. Can you tell us a story about storytelling? <laughs> <laughs> a story about storytelling. Um, well, I don't know if I have a story about storytelling, but I can tell you about the power of yeah, storytelling. Tell us about the power. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, we're wired for stories. Uh, you know, right. that's like when we were drawing on the side of the cave, those were images that told a story and, and yep. we pass information along via stories. So our brain is literally wired for stories. When we tell stories, it connects us and it causes greater collaboration between us, literally. Um, uh, so, you know, we talk a lot to sellers about, okay, one, you want to tell stories. And in order to make it accessible for you to tell a simple, powerful story, we talk about sort of three things. Give it detail, like Sachin Ray, he yep. was at San Fran in San Francisco. You know, give me details, make him real. Yep. Give me a character, um, include emotion. You know, the drivers are really frustrated, like right. because we connect to emotion. Yep. Um, and then, um, you know, fill it out with some some insight about what they learned um and you know and and then we talk about a story arc you know you probably want to have some kind of struggle in there yeah. and some kind of resolution but what we're encouraging sellers not to do is think that they have to have a ted talk prepared and that they right. have to have sort of a very structured story the more natural you can be obviously the better um so i, I always think stories are very powerful in trying to share an idea Yep. And you talk about it being a two person dance when you're telling that story too, to really engage and pull people in. And what I liked about it, what really resonated with me when I was reading the book and, and how we use it is when you tell a story, you said it, it really, it changes everything. I'm not pitching product features mm -hmm. or things that people are tuning out or maybe not really connecting with, but when you tell a story, it really does. It, it's two people talking yes, and sharing with each other. Um, yes. bond. That's what I love about that. Um, the next phase of, of sell by design is insight. And mm -hmm. the big part or the, the focus of that is empathy. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about empathy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> when we started uh, Somersault Innovation, we wanted to talk a lot about empathy and vulnerability in sales. And we got some coaching that was like, no, you don't. Don't talk about that stuff. We do not talk about that in sales. <laughs> so I appreciate you raising it. We still yeah. talk about it, but we might have de-emphasized it a little bit. Um, you know, again, it's like we are wired as empathic beings right. to connect with one each other, one another, and we mirror each other even, right? right? Like if you started feeling nervous or happy, like it's very hard not to smile if someone else's smiles. Those, you know, those are our mirror neurons. And, um, and so we're wired really to feel for the other person, but one, so it's so important to, to be empathetic and empathize with your customer. Um, but one of the twists, and this is the power of design is really all about the, how do you do something That's right. um, in empathy? We talk about this idea. It's not good enough for me just to empathize with you. I need to show you that I, am so i need to say something back to you like it oh it sounds like this is frustrating for you you know can you tell me more because that right. gives you a clue that i am feeling or i can sense right. how you're feeling so um you know i think what we are suggesting to sellers is really to connect with empathy and to yeah. empathize not only with their customer but their customer's customer and how they feel and when they as a seller when you do that 
legitimately or authentically, you care, you actually do care. And so you actually want to solve this problem. And I'm much more invested in this because of you um, and how trying to help you. um, And that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think that's when you, when you're able to do that, I think from the buyer's side, you're now shifted from almost an opposite, you know, a buyer seller is almost like an oppositional type relationship. But when you get that through the empathy barrier and and you're showing now, Hey, I'm on your side. It's, it's like you're working together. You're working as a salesperson, working for the customer. Totally. I was, you just made me think I was, um, I'm trying to, I'm like dying to go somewhere, right? Because of COVID. So I was looking at this retreat center, um, in Florida and this woman, and it's sort of like this package deal. And this woman was talking to me about like what's included. And she was literally reading off a script, which I understood why, because it was, there was some complexity to it. But I thought like, you're not even connecting with me. Like, so by reading your script for running your play in sales, it disconnects us. And right. And then we feel like I felt that. And I felt like, I don't even want to go here because no. You're not talking to me. You're just reading your script. Right. You're not empathizing with who I am and what I want. Right. Well, you just think about how different that experience could have been. Like, totally. Doesn't this everyone ever just aren't you just dying to get out of the house and just exactly. be out somewhere and and just be someplace different from home? Yeah. You know, and tell me about like, what's your aspiration? Yeah. Yeah. You totally would have sucked me in. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Why is it hard for salespeople to show empathy? Mm. Um, well, I would add to that. I think it's hard for salespeople, you know, not all salespeople, but some, I think it's hard for us to show empathy and curiosity. I would combine those because a couple things, I think, uh, money, I think money corrupts us all. Right. So when money's on the table for, if I close this deal, I'm making 10 grand, 50 grand, hundred grand, whatever. Um, it corrupts us. I am now completely focused on that money that I'm going to get. And I become less curious, neurologically less curious. Um, I think the pressure of sales, um, the pressure to meet a number, the pressure of a boss breathing down your neck saying you owe 50 K, I don't care how you get it. Um, again, limits us and actually sort of squeezes the curiosity and empathy out of us. Um, in a really very real way that is doing the the opposite of what the manager wants, which is right. for you to grow an account and it yep. and it actually narrows our ability to grow. Yep. And then the other part of that is is uh, it to connect with someone you and truly connect, you have to be vulnerable and show a bit of yourself. Yes. yes. That's hard for people or some people. Yes. Right? I agree. Well what what's like vulnerable to you in sales? You know, for me, um, I always feel like I'm a, a bit of an imposter in mm. sales that mm-hmm. like, I'm not really a sales guy. And so, and I actually, I hate selling. Mm. And so my natural thing is to, is to always come in from a position of what can I do to really help these people? Um, because I'm good at that. I'm really yeah. good at helping people um, solve whatever problems or pain points they're having with their business. Um, but I hate selling, you know, so, uh, for me, my struggle is always to go in and transition from, okay, I'm helping you, but now I actually have to close this deal. Yeah. You know, and, and that's always been my struggle. Yeah. I understand. You know, it is why 
I think sales actually is a very interesting persona mm -hmm. because of that vulnerability piece. Because we have a number on our head often that everybody right. sees, and you know if I'm making it or not making oh, it. Yeah. So yeah. there's this um, dichotomy a little bit. Like I have to have this pretty tough skin to get yeah. rejected often, oh, yeah. or have everybody know whether I'm making my number or not. Yep. Um, and at the same time, I'm extremely vulnerable because of that. So I have to be able to sort of hold that tension. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I will constantly, or not constantly, but every, on a regular basis, I will see people posting on forums or whatever that are, they're asking for help. I have this problem. I need help. Can someone help me? Mm -hmm. And when I reached out to them, I, you know, because I'm like, truly, I want to help you. Um, trust me, I'm not trying to sell you. Yeah, we're so conditioned that oh my god, he's going to try to sell me something. Yeah. Stay, stay away. Um, what, what is that? How do you overcome that in a sales process? You know, I, you know what? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I had just another example. Yeah, it was yesterday. A guy who's um, you know phone call came in and it was I don't know why he answered it because like any of us we don't usually answer it if it's a number you don't recognize, but. Um, and it was save the children, right? And I had given money before, and I guess my credit card had uh, expired. And so they were saying, right. basically, want to give again. And I was kind of like, is this save the children? Like, like is this right. the real deal? And then right. finally, I'm like, okay, I believe you. Like, let's do this. And then I got to the credit card part, and I was like, wait a minute, is this a scam? And I was like, <laughs> so skeptical. And he was like, Jesus, like, what do I have to do? do? <laughs> I know. Um, and I think partly like our environment right now, like there's oh, so yeah. much, right? There's yeah. so much credit risk and so many things that um, we, so, and I guess maybe why people feel that way, you know, I think historically, mm -hmm. Sales hasn't been a side-by-side -side right. adventure, right? It has been a lot like I'm trying to convince you to buy something yep. from me, and I might be a little sleazy in trying to get it from you. Again, I think it's because there's money. There's a transaction oh, yeah. of money, and I really think money yep. corrupts us. Yep. Oh, no, I think it does, too. It, it really does, and, and uh, it makes it hard. Um, can we talk a little bit about the anti-pitch? Mm, yes. So the anti-pitch, that term came from our uh, sort of partner and friend of mine, Stuart Papp, who has his own company, Pitch DNA. He's awesome. And um, this idea that we shouldn't be pitching, actually. It shouldn't be one way. It should be two-way, right? I should right. be offering you an idea and inviting your feedback. Because the same mm -hmm. idea we talked about earlier, the more you have your fingerprints on it and the more we collaborate in what we create, the more ownership you're going to have. So um, we're always encouraging sellers to, uh, whether let's say it's a demo, they're giving a demo, use the demo actually as part of your discovery. So right. it's not your pitch. It's just an offering to say, hey, I'll show you this, but I'd love your feedback. And yeah. to the point where you're at the end of, you know, if you've co-created with your customer, there is no pitch at the end, right? You're right. saying, okay, so is this what we agreed to? Right. Um, so I think it's a little bit, it's just the mindset too. Like I'm never going to pitch. I'm always going to collaborate. Yeah. I, and that's what I love to me. That was one of the transformational things for me because um, I've never really liked doing demos because yeah. it's all about the product and look at this yeah. cool feature and this bell and whistle. Isn't it great? And I love, it's much more natural for me to say, let me show you this and then tell me if you think this can help you. Yeah. You know, or, or how can, will this impact the problem you were telling me about? You know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, 
it changes everything. It really it does. does change everything. And I, you know, a lot of times customers will say like, look, I've done all my research, right? right. 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 We know that, right? Yep. All this information is available. I know what I want. Just show me the demo, right? Yeah. So we certainly would not say don't do that, right? right. But tee it up as, okay, I will show you the demo, but I, I would like to use this as an opportunity to be getting your feedback along the way. You bet. And sort yeah, of reorient. I, exactly. The yeah, conversation. I love that. Um, let's talk a, uh, about, you know, if I'm a sales leader, um, how should I be using sell by design? Yeah. Uh, well, you definitely should buy the book for all your sellers. Start there. <laughs> Make it sales. Um, so, you know, I think the, um, we were just talking about this today, actually, this notion of using some of the skills as your as a leader with your sellers, like do your own discovery with them, stay curious and open as to what they're learning. Um, I think uh, don't lead with numbers, lead with stories. So as a manager or leader, we're always suggesting like, you know, Christopher, can you tell me a story about your customer? Right. To the extent that you can tell me a story about what your customer and what your customer cares about or your customer's customer, it gives me a really good insight into like, do you really know your customer? Are you doing discovery? Yeah. Um, and by not leading with the number, because as soon as I start leading with the number, like what's your number for the week? You know, you told me you would get 100,000 by Friday. Where is it? Like I again, I just narrowly focus you on that and not I'm what I want to be doing is trying to open you up to stay more curious um, about your customer. So yep. those are a couple of things that come to mind. Yep. And as a sales manager, um, you know, I'm lower level down, I'm much more closer or not much more, but I'm closer to the yep. frontline salespeople. How should I be using sell by design? Yeah, I was just working with a group um, at Steelcase, actually, with the manager and their his colleagues. Um, it's kind of the sellers and we did a customer customer map, right? So we just drew one out. So I think that's a great thing as a manager with your team or with your one seller, let's say to say, Hey, let's map this out together. You know, tell me about your customer, who are the different customer sets of theirs and let's draw this together. And then like have that dialogue around, well, where could you do discovery around something you don't know that might be valuable to your customer and sort of, you know, collaborate with them in creating that discovery plan. Right. And you're also, it's funny the way when I read that it now, instead of again, being oppositional, now the yeah. sales manager is alongside exactly. the sales team. He's part, I'm here to help you. Yeah. I'm a, we're going to have learning opportunities by listening to your stories. I'm a fine, I'm going to get insight. And we'll exactly. be like, oh, have you tried this? Or, yes. you know, I tried this once with a client and it worked great. Um, That's right. it, it was tremendous. Um, you know, the other thing I'll say is that you just made me think of is like yeah. encouraging your sellers to share stories, right? I think of stories as much more useful than use cases. Like right. use cases tend to be very generic. This is what, you know, this was our client. This was their problem. This was the solution. Yep. Um, and it's hard to make those feel real. Right. If I'm right. telling you a use case, like it sounds like oh, yeah. a use case to you too, oh, yeah. um, versus I learn from my colleague about how they worked and our company worked in that system, you know, they tell me the story about it and who was the person in procurement, you know, Jenny, um, and anything about her that's interesting. And then I can retell that story much more right. easily. Um, that's much more interesting to a customer than your sterile use case. Oh yeah, yeah, or feature list or, exactly. you know, any of that, that I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, so if I, I get the book, yeah. I, I'm excited about it. How should I start? 
Um, you're, are you a manager or are you an aide? Let's talk both. Let's break it down. I'm gonna start. Let's start as a manager. How should I start with uh, sell by design? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but I, the book, as you know, is very short. It's very practical. It's got yep. hands-on tools. So I would, you know, have some of your uh, sellers read it and then start by saying, okay, let's just start with discovery. Like what's, what are some tips and tools you pulled out of this that you could use with your customers? Let's talk about insight. Let's talk about acceleration. All, you know, the, the brilliance of design thinking which is the sort of methodology we're pulling from in order to support sellers is the practicality, the simplicity right. and practicality that creates a powerful moment right. um, or impact. Right. Um, so I think as a manager, you know, looking through that book, for example, and just pulling out the three tools that you think will make a difference and then talking to your sellers about them. Right. It's also very complementary to other techniques or methods they might be using. Yes. Yes, for sure. I yeah. mean, I, I'm sure there are some it's not like this is a very collaborative, right. consultative approach. I mean, if that's not your bag, then this is right. not for you. Um, but it is meant to overlay on any kind of sales process that an organization may have. It's not meant to replace. So it's like giving sellers a new, you know, more tools in their toolkit yeah. to be effective. So if I'm a sales leader, if I'm at the top of the pyramid, um, how should I start with my sales managers? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I always think start small, right? Start small, and then start to move faster from there. Um, so I think I would just, you know, encourage them. One is just encourage stories, for example. Encourage your managers to be asking for stories. Uh, just that little shift is yeah. very different. Yep. I think the other thing is, you know, all throughout our work and and what we're pulling from the world of design is this notion of customer centricity right, right? like that at the end of the day every lens you look through should be through the lens of thinking about what does my customer care about first and then you know does this make business sense for us and that's yep. like we talk about the idea of desirability a lot meaning what does the customer and their customers care about that should be your north star right. and so i think as a I mean, if I was the sales leader, that's the mindset that I would be encouraging. So any sort of thing that we were discussing, um, any new policy, compensation, whatever it is that I'm talking to my managers, I'm, I'm going to have that lens of like, okay, is this really customer centric or is it me and us centric? Right. And let's, if it's not customer centric, we need to reorient right. how we're talking about this. Right. I mean, that really comes in with compensation plans, for example, and that yeah. would be a leadership issue. Like if you're telling us to be customer centric and consultative, but you're, you know, you're bonusing me um, or spiffing me on just a product sale. This yeah. happens, of course, across the board all the time. Yep. What's the, the behavior you're going to get as a seller is I'm going to push this product. Yeah. Right. So oh, yeah. it's not a customer centric motion. Right. Um, so this idea of how do you align your systems and structures in support of being customer centric, because I think it's a really important conversation. Yeah, and you give an example in the book about at a sales meeting, the top guy just said, hey, you know what? We're doing this and to show you I'm serious about it, we're waiving quota for the next three months. Yeah, well, we're not, I don't know he said I'm waving. Oh, wait, wait, he said, said yeah. I put off the gas. Yeah, he's like, yeah. The, the focus isn't on quota. Yeah. It's, you know, he wanted them focused on customer. Yes. And that I think, you know, that's a big way to start, but it, it's a very clear way to your team that says, hey, we're serious about this. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, because these are all new behaviors. Some of these are right. new behaviors and you want to encourage like the use of new behaviors, maybe not across the board, but I think one of the ways we've been so successful at driving revenue in and pipeline gen in accounts is coaching people against right. the use of the tools against target accounts. So we'll say, just pick one or two accounts, you know, forget about the rest, just do your regular thing. For these one or two accounts, we want you to try something new on and see what happens. Right, right, I love that. Um, let's talk, we have a few minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about CRM and, and sales enablement technology. So if I'm doing sell by design, how should I, how should I be leveraging CRM and, and other technology in support of sell by design? Mm. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you yet. We're coming in to develop an app that right. actually uh, sort of integrates with a CRM so that you can be linking the things that you learn in sell by design into your CRM. Right. But I think so I can't speak specifically to each CRM and how it links, but I can say that sort of in your account planning that would become in the beginning stages of your account of your you know, your process, right. look, thinking about what kind of discovery is happening and making sure that that is captured in the CRM or right. capturing the insight that you're learning about your customer that is novel and new, capturing that in the CRM. Right. Um, I think the, the sort of where you capturing information about what your customer and their customers care about is a very different type of information to capture. Right. So as a sales leader, you have to figure out where, you know, what field you're going to put that in. But I think that information is really important. Yeah. To me, I, I was thinking a lot about that from reading the book and trying to figure out how can I apply that in our business. And to me, it really comes down to um, having structure, you know, in that discovery phase, you know, mm -hmm. and really calling it, this is our discovery phase. We're yeah. starting here and this is our most important phase. So there are certain things that we want to make sure we're getting done in that, yeah. in that phase and make sure you're tracking that in your CRM. Yeah, um, exactly. Like you could track, let's say you decided like for every customer, I want the salesperson to have a uh, sort of a customer's customer's map. Right. You know, exactly. They've drawn and they've is that done. It. Yep. Is Great. That done? So you could have a checklist like that. Exactly. <laughs> and and so that's what I was through some practical steps for someone. And and it doesn't matter what serum platform you're doing, you can track that. Yeah. Um, and those are the things that I think from a practical sense, easy to do, but it has a big yeah. impact. And then you're getting that 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 structure. Uh, it doesn't have to be rigid, but you're creating a framework for your team. Yes. Uh, to really support them. Exactly. And I think you're you're creating a framework around these tools that really do make a difference in terms yep. of growing your account. Right. Um, I will say, I mean, I, you may be leading this, but, you know, most people don't like their CRM, right? And right. only use it uh, to satisfy someone higher than them because they want to see right. the numbers, they want to understand the pipeline and whatever. Um, and so I, I keep thinking about like, whatever we do or suggest, it's got to be useful for the seller, right? right? And so, um, I don't know, that's, a, again, that's the end user lens of like, okay, well, don't do anything unless the seller actually feels like this is valuable in how I think about my account and, and help me grow. Yeah, I talk about that all the time that as a sales leader, when you're talking to your team about CRM or really any tool that you're going to give them to help them sell, you have to have a why Yeah. that, that resonates with them. Yeah. And it's no different than if they're the salespeople are talking to the customer and that that why, you know, yes. why, how is this going to help me? 
you have to sell it the same way you're yeah. asking them to sell to their customers. Totally. I, would, I was just building out an account plan template for us at Somersault. And as I was looking online at these different account plans, I'm like, this isn't useful. I'm not, I'm the owner of Somersault. I don't need to fill this out because right. I will never look at this again and this is not going to help me. So right. I've really been thinking like, okay, well, what is in an account plan, for example, right. that is sort of generative that gets yeah. me excited about completing it and helps me think differently and will be yeah. something I want to go back to. Yeah. And I don't know, it's not always an easy, easy answer. Right. right. A lot of times um, I uh, advice I give to sales leaders is um, the tool should also provide an opportunity for them to assist, uh, you know, that person that, Hey, I noticed, um, you've got some information there about that client. Um, we had a client that's very close to, or similar to that one, three years ago before you came here, and this is what we did and it, it worked great, you yeah. know, but if they're not capturing that information, the CRM, you know, sales managers, never going to see that, never yeah. going to be able to do that outreach and offer that help. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. Well, we are coming up on our, our time here on Sales Lead Dog. I really enjoyed talking with you. Actually, if people want to reach out and connect with you, learn more about Somersault and uh, talk more about um, Sell by Design, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, certainly our website, somersaultinnovation.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Ashley Welch. And then my email is ashley at somersaultinnovation.com. And, I and we'll have all that information in the show notes. So uh, make sure you check that out if you uh, uh, want to reach out. And I recommend connecting with them. They're terrific. So thank you again for coming on Sales Lead Dog. You are so welcome. I really enjoyed our conversation. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.